Welcome to episode 20 of Renewing the Conversation, a series of interviews where we talk to leading industry professionals and experts about renewable energy and heating with a focus on the home and what challenges face the industry and homeowners. Today we welcome Martin Cook, Managing Director of EOGB. We speak to Martin about modulating oil boilers and how they play a role in cutting carbon emissions when used with a biofuel like HVO. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button below and please show us your support by giving us a thumbs up. Enjoy the interview. Good morning, Martin. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, I'm sure that some people might be sitting at home kind of raising their eyebrows and thinking, hmm, interesting. They're interviewing somebody about boilers on Renewable Heating Hub. Uh, But we're really excited to have you here because the last year in particular, the government have been quite vocal about phasing out boilers and just how polluting they are and all the negative things about boilers. Why is it that you feel that there is still a future for boilers and what uh, are they going to what role are they going to play in our houses in the future? OK, OK, thank you. Good morning. I think the main issue is we've got a, a massive several decades here for this whole churn of boilers to actually get out of the system. This is the, one of the main issues uh, we see. And also many, many boilers are not actually particularly run in a very efficient manner. So if this, if it was looked at from a different perspective of energy saving through smart controls, smart thermostats, zoning of the property, you would find massive carbon savings just, and obviously the end users money in their pocket, um, just by purely optimizing systems rather than jumping all in um, decarbonization. Let's work with what we've got for a for a while, whilst we have this natural churn of appliances, which will go on for several decades. So boilers have most definitely started to get a bit of a bad rep for being polluting in our homes. Is there in any way that you feel that um, because we have so many boilers in households in this country, over 90% of households have a boiler, do you feel that we've kind of maybe missed a trick with regards to actually, instead of just throwing the baby out with the bathwater and saying, okay, let's just get rid of all boilers and replace them with heat pumps. Do you think that um, there should have been more innovation innovative thinking with regards to okay what can we do with the the boilers that we have right now how can we adapt them and how can we bring in more efficient boilers into the market for people that can't afford to transition straight into a heat pump the main issue is in the uk housing stock um is the insulation issues especially in rural properties um if we're going to jump in straight in it's the the end users simply can't afford this i mean the the government five thousand pound grant for example to fit a heat pump only is scratching the surface of of many properties. And I think Baser are now becoming aware of this situation. So let's, I mean, let's look at what we've got and optimizing current heating systems. That's that's got to be the way forward. Whilst um, it evolves because we're, we're all learning all the time of, of what is going to be the best heating system for a particular property, rather than um, shoehorning in a one-size-fits-all technology. I think every property needs to be looked at under its own merits. What is suitable for this particular property? Is it liquid fuel? Is it gas? Is it a hydrogen blend in the future? Is it air source heat pump, ground source, etc.? I think it, every property needs to be evaluated individually rather than this blanket a heat pump for the, for the entire nation. We just feel that it's it's a little bit too soon to be to be rolling out heat pumps on mass when um, a lot of the work is still can be done to save carbon or reduce carbon um, on 
on fossil fuel boilers. Let's work a little bit smarter here rather than just making them the total enemy. There's so much that can be done there. Yeah, so just talk to us a little bit more about that. So I think that the understanding um, that most people have about boilers is that they have to run on fossil fuels. That's not actually true, is it? No, no it's not. No, I mean, HVO, for example, um, our bioliquid that we've been championing in the past two, three years, we've had it in our lab tests now. And we also have trials in um, several places around the UK. One particular one is in a public house in Lincolnshire, um, where we've got a, a funded uh, three-year trial going on there uh, with our sapphire boiler and fully modulating compensating controls. And the savings are phenomenal already for the customer, plus the actual carbon emissions as well are you know, 90% carbon saving over what they had previously. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic, especially for a public house that is, um, you know, they, they have very specific particular heat demands with doors opening day constantly, you know, in different areas of the property they need to control. Yeah, we can definitely attest to HVO. We actually joined the trial for HVO, which is hydro treated vegetable oil. And um, we've been really impressed with mm -hmm. it. It's running in our um, a kind of old boiler, yeah. if you like, um, uh, as well as our heat pump. We've got both and the HVO is, is doing a really good job. It is a biofuel and it is not coming from a food crop. It is not coming from um, deforestation. It is not affecting any of those things. It is a waste product. And I have to say, we've been really impressed with it. Can you just talk to us a little bit about how can we get biofuels more into integrated with boilers um, throughout um, the country? And I mean, you mentioned Sapphire Boiler. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Sapphire Boiler? The Sapphire Boiler is our boiler we've developed from basically from scratch. We are really a burner manufacturer at heart. So for many years, we've done modulating burners for mainly for the gas industry. However, it's always the oil industry as always for domestic market has always just had an on off um, application, which to, to, to explain on off is basically a single fixed um, burner system. So the boiler turns on, a flame appears, it burns for several minutes and turns off again until the next time the heat is required. Um, so what we've developed is a fully modulating system. So the boiler will fire up and then the flame will modulate to the heat load. It's, it's a much more efficient way of controlling the heat rather than blasting heat, turning off, blasting again, because you've got cold cycles um, going through the boiler, which makes it quite inefficient. Our initial, we originally did it in the lab tests um, through a, a certified uh, test house, and we were seeing 15 to 20% savings on fuel compared to a leading uh, boiler brand. Um, and that was, it, we're not talking an old boiler here, we're talking a brand new leading boiler compared to the Sapphire boiler. Your second question about HVO. HVO is ready to ready to roll out. It's used in, in multiple um, uh, demonstration sites already around the UK. And basically what we need to now get is government backing really on, on the fuel and open up certain markets because it's a supply and demand. Okay, at the moment the costs are higher than, than fossil fuel. This is the problem. If the markets can be opened up, the US market, um, there's been discussions of HVO in, in the US is, is, is produced on mass there, which could actually come over to the UK and solve our the questions against sustainability of the fuel and supply chain of the fuel. Off gas grid customers wouldn't have to spend thousands of pounds renovating their properties, 
because uh, many don't. Many people don't want to be chopping floors up and 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 cutting holes in the walls and that kind of thing to put new pipe work in. Many people just want a simple change, and HVO can give that straight away with a, a small modification to the burner, um, clean the tank out, and, and away you go. So it's um, it's a very um, cost-effective way to decarbonize. Yeah, we can absolutely attest to yeah. that. We joined the trial. We had had to switch over from uh, well, we weren't using our boiler because it was burning previously kerosene. We were using our heat pump, um, but to join the trial um, when they switched us over and they removed the kerosene and put the HVO in, it was absolutely seamless. Mm-hmm. It was you know literally a couple of guys in the house for half an hour, cup of tea, and then they were on their way, and we yeah. were hooked up. And it's been really impressive as a fuel. So we're really excited about HVO ourselves. Uh, and so, so, so we posted that video and it's been quite interesting to see the reaction from kind of hardcore air source heat pump users. They have been critical of us actually utilizing HVO uh, because now, you know, the, the basic mentality, I think, of a lot of people is that you're still burning stuff. When you actually look at HVO, when you look at the emissions from HVO versus the electricity that comes off the grid, you know, we've actually worked out that in January, our carbon footprint was actually lower using HVO than what the electricity grid was providing. Uh, so how do we address those concerns now amongst people that still think, well, you're still burning something, it's got to be bad for the environment as opposed to running electricity? That's a good point because many don't realize that electricity is not green. It's, it's still way off the mark and it's going to take several years or decades to actually become a green grid. I mean, on days like today, we're probably burning 5% coal still on the, on the actual grid. Um, so it's slightly misleading to think I've got a heat pump or I've got a ground source heat pump and I'm totally green. That's not the case. Same with our electric cars. You know, we're not as green as we think we are at the moment. It, it will come eventually. It will come eventually. But often it's, it's down to environmental changes. For example, if there's no particular wind that day, you can see the grid actually change on the day. Suddenly you get 50% um, gas fired. Um, mm-hmm. uh, power stations ramping up to, to 100% supply and you see the balance coming in and then on particularly cold days you see up to 5% cold happening. It's a nice future but we're not quite there yet. The liquid fuel industry i.e. the oil industry would needs to be given time as well to actually decarbonize as well because we are doing it but we're a small industry compared to the gas industry and the future heat pump industry as well. We're only a small, there's only a million homes um, in, in the UK on oil currently. We feel that we should be given time because we've we've really got a good fuel here with the HVO and um, yeah, and it's it's ready now. It just needs a little bit more government um, incentive to actually get this thing rolling out properly. So you mentioned that the Sapphire uh, boiler um, that you sell is, is, is modulated or modulating modulating can you just tell me what does that mean so modulation basically means say for example you um you need uh, you've got a really cold day in your house and you turn the, the boiler up to maximum and the boiler will automatically fire up to maximum power but as the, the temperature in the house increases the boiler will sense that and it will modulate or it will reduce its power to a lower amount. So you're not delivering for the full amount of power uh, into the property um, constantly. It's on the, we use what we call the open therm protocol, which is, it sounds complicated, but basically all it is, is a communication between the thermostat and the boiler. So every half a second, the thermostats in the house are communicating with the boiler 
and telling the boiler, right, we need more heat, we need less heat. And and it's on a multi-zonal system, like um, if you had your radiators all zoned in the house with um, with the TRVs, which are electronically controlled, you will find that each radiator then will, will have its own zone. So each area of your house will control itself then and feed information back to the boiler. Um, and it's a far more efficient way of actually controlling the heating. So boilers, the, my understanding about boilers, and I'm, I'm you know, I've, I know very little, um, but my understanding of boilers is that they, they are a high hot burn. So they come on, they really ignite, blast the room, yeah. they, they blast the heating and they turn off and go cold really quickly. Um, so when you say it's, uh, it's modulating, does that mean that it's basically burning all the time? Not all the time, but uh, it will be burning a longer time than a normal boiler, but it's delivering less heat. So the the fear in with many consumers in the UK is, oh, the boiler's on, so it must be costing me a fortune. It's actually more efficient to have the heating on, on a modulating boiler, ticking over on low fire for longer periods of time than having the boiler turning off and then having to catch up again uh, with the heating. So right. having a modulating heat load, um, basically let the controls do the work for you. Stop worrying about time, timing the boiler and everything like that. It, let the controls actually decide when it needs to come on, how, and it will actually calculate in its algorithm. You know, it's cold outside, I'll need to come on 10 minutes earlier today. And it will find out the most optimized way of actually delivering the heat in the most efficient way. So my understanding of boilers is that they come on, they blast, they go cold really quickly. And so I think it might be fair to say that traditional boilers are a bit stupid. They're a bit dumb. They're not very intelligent. Is a modulating boiler like a sapphire boiler more intelligent? It's it's doing a lot more. It's calculating a lot more and it's behaving a lot more intelligently. Yeah. So basically it's the next step on. The industry really needs this step change for not just consumers, but also to convince government that the liquid fuel industry actually has a future and it can uh, drive down their savings. It, and especially in these climates now, when you hear of uh, huge fuel bills, I've seen the paper this morning, it's like everyone's panicking now that some bills have been going through the roof shortly. Um, so we, we need to have a technology that consumers can buy and know they can actually save some money. One of our customers is saving up to five litres of fuel per day. Now, that doesn't sound a lot when you That's say five litres. That is a lot. But you actually calculate that over six months. You're talking about £500 over that six-month period through the winter time. Even the investment in some smart controls for the property, you've got your payback already there within six months. Um, so it's investment in the smart technology now which will um, help consumers actually drive down their bills long term oddly enough it sounds like the modulating boiler runs more like an air source heat pump if you like you know that kind of lower heat my question would be why aren't more boilers on the market self-modulating then i think it's down to cost um the oil boiler market is it seems to be a little bit um although the manufacturers have got very similar pricing structures um, they use the same kind of technology um, and it's it's a relatively reliable um, heating system or heating um, medium, should we say. Um, so it's it's basically a low cost boiler, very simple design, hasn't really changed in many years. And but consumers tend to like them because they're reliable and robust. It doesn't help us when we're trying to reduce carbon and save energy moving forward. This is the this is the main issue. The 
the old boiler, good as it is, we need to evolve now um, to have a future energy market that's actually going to be sustainable. As I said earlier, I don't really know too much about boilers, but mainly because we've, we we haven't mm. really used one. And when we when we we've only just kind of kind of mm-hmm. turned it on this uh, this winter, haven't we? Yeah. And before that, we were using our heat pump. So uh, there's a lot of terminology that's new to me. One of the things that I picked up from us recently was um, a condensing boiler and how our boiler needs to condense. So can you just explain to us about um, condensing boilers and then kind of how you know, if people think that they've got a condensing boiler, they think, well, then I don't need a modulating one. So just tell us about how the, the, the terms are very different. So condensing boiler, um, most boilers now are condensing boilers. They have been for several years. It's legislation that came in several years back. Um, a condensing boiler, you'll know the difference because it's got a drain on the bottom of the boiler. So basically it takes all the latent flue gases, the, the chimney flue um, temperature, and it reuses that temperature and puts it back through the boiler again. So through a, a secondary heat exchanger on a traditional um, traditional boiler. So your then your traditional temperature, your original temperature would have been about 200 degrees C. On a, a condensing boiler, you're down to under 60, 70 degrees because you have you're actually reusing that heat that would normally go into the atmosphere. So a condensing boiler was a fantastic step change or technology change for the market, absolutely. But modulating goes a step further. Is it correct to say that actually a lot of people that have condensing boilers and that have them installed, their boilers are actually not condensing mm. because the settings haven't been done or this this they need to change something on the boiler? Can you just talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question because the common boiler swap is... It, People put a new boiler in and they don't actually then balance the system. The system needs to be balanced right the way through. All the radiators will need checking with flow and return temps on each radiator to ensure you've got a, a temperature differential across each radiator to ensure the return water back to the boiler is as cool as possible. Um, because if you don't balance your radiators, the, the heat will be going straight through from the boiler, right away, rattling through the radiators and back to the boiler at too or higher temperature. The boiler will not then condense. Uh, and that's the problem. Um, people would save, I don't know how much money per year if they actually had their balance, their system balanced. It's a simple thing. They could get the heating engineer in and say, can you come in and balance my system for me? And you'd be able to do that within a couple of hours. And, you know, there'll be seeing savings instantly from that. So if somebody's got a bog standard boiler in their property at the moment and they want to put in a sapphire or you know, a modulating boiler in, is it a simple exchange just putting, say, taking the old one out and putting a new one in? Yeah, um, you can do that within a, a day's a day's labor and then another day or so with the controls. It's, it's, it's a very easy boiler swap. Um, obviously a, a clean out, a flush out of the, of the system and then put our boiler in and then um, commission the controls, yeah. For a, a decent engineer, a couple of days work. Obviously. You mentioned the, the actual controls. So does that mean that if, if, so let's say for example, somebody doesn't have smart TRVs or smart thermostats and they've only got the old school TRVs, would open therm still work in a scenario like that? Yes, you could actually use, um, the open therm is, it can be very minimal or you can have a, an all singing, all dancing system. So for example, you could use a basic wall thermostat um, which is open therm. So a traditional thermostat that you're familiar with, um, you could use that on the Sapphire boiler as long as it's got open therm protocol. You can then do a, uh, a further step in, the, in then having all your radiators and further zones. You can even have 
motion sensors fitted. Some of our customers have got motion sensors. So they actually build up a picture of what goes on in your property. Um, so it works out the occupied rooms. Are you, are you in the kitchen more in the day or in the lounge? And then it will build up a profile of your house specifically and adjust the heating accordingly to your lifestyle, basically. So that's the extreme end. Obviously, it's expensive. You know, it's going to cost you maybe £1,500 in controls to get to that level. Or you can have some controls for maybe up to £150, £200 for a basic open therm thermostat. And you can then keep your existing um, thermostat TRVs on your radiator turn as well. It can be as big as small as you want to go. Really. Let's talk about bivalent systems. So we've got an air source heat pump and we've got an oil boiler. But the one thing that we've discovered recently is that we're trying to get the two to actually communicate with one another. And that has got they its do own. They like each other. They, they really do not like to coexist. Uh, I know that we've actually spoken about this previously off camera. Uh, but, you know, if you have got a sapphire boiler, for example, that has got an air source heat pump that is open therm enabled, are you then able to, if, for example, we know the electricity tariffs are going up and you want to run your HVO ahead of the, of the air source heat pump, is that possible to do? If the, the control system is open therm enabled, then yes. Uh, this is the issue at the minute we're finding with um, some controls are not open therm compatible. Uh, so this is something we want to work with industry to actually make sure we do have something for the future here. Because as you say, if you want to actually switch switch over, you might oh, I want to run HVO for a few months or, or, or I'm running low on fuel, I want to go over to electricity. You want those options there. And on many systems, the blitz to control the boiler, as you mentioned yourself, Mars, the boiler will just fire up and it will blast and then it will turn off it almost short cycling yeah so it's because the control system is not really allowing it to run properly it's just uh, turning on turning off in very short space of time it's, that's not a very efficient way of actually using your fuel um, so moving forward it would be great to have some um, collaborations with um, uh, controls manufacturers so we can actually have a true um, hybrid system uh, if that was a situation that was desired i think maybe you need to start talking to the MCS because what we're hearing in the last 24 hours is that the, the MCS are kind of dictating an awful lot of like the fact that if you're getting a heat pump, the heat pump has to be the primary source of control. Um, so the MCS, it's a conversation we need to have with them as well as, as to opening up that flexibility to give homeowners back control themselves so that they can actually choose how they heat their homes. Um, we, are, we want to be environmentally conscious. We want to do the right thing for the environment. Of course we do. We need to start to, to address um, carbon neutrality. Absolutely. But we still, we can't leave homes behind and in, in fuel poverty. We have to be able to, a one size fits all, I don't think is, we're not at that stage. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to give everybody a little bit more flexibility and options so that they are able to afford their heating. Absolutely. I think in the future, what we need is a carbon emission factor. And as long as that particular heating system can meet that factor, it shouldn't matter whether what the actual fuel is, as long as it's black and white, okay, that is the carbon emissions you are allowed to emit for that property. And then you can use this, this, you can use a heat pump, you can use a boiler, you can use- Ground heating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just, if we have a, a blanket carbon emission and then industry will then adapt. We, we know where we are then and when we can evolve our products then. The moment it's, it's not clear as to which way it's gonna go eventually. So we just need some black and white um, information from the government. There we go, there's your carbon emission. 
you know, go with it. That's what you've got to work with now. Can I ask you, do you feel as being an inside the industry that um, central heating hasn't really uh, revol evolved and it hasn't really done anything for the last like 20, 30 years, but suddenly in the last kind of five years, there's this real kind of renaissance of, you know, innovation and things, are, everybody's kind of talking about what they can do within their sector of their central heating, whether it's boilers or um, heat pumps or, you know, solar, those kind of things are all kind of coming together and really put being pushed forward to become more innovative yeah definitely i mean it's really interesting times at the minute i mean i've never seen so much uh, change in the industry for the past five years and, and it's amazing what you can do uh, maybe the uh, complacency was there i mean the, there's some very very good boiler manufacturers out there it's um, educating the installer as well to make sure they're actually picking the right boiler for the right property and the right controls as well um so training is sadly lacking in many areas for actually installer training and this is something that we we really want to sort of get get to grips with is making sure that it's the right choices for the installer and the homeowner so almost like a a government app or something like that would be fantastic for the installer to be able to go along to a property put in the credentials of the property and it will actually then say what is the most suitable um, energy for this property. And then the installer knows what he's doing. There's not any kind of comeback then from the customer going, you've installed me the wrong equipment and now it's costing me a fortune. I think this is the fear at the moment. That's why um, they just keep on installing the same amount of equipment, the same equipment, sorry, shall I say, every time, because it's like, it's what they know. So anything new technology is like, mm, I don't know whether I should be fitting that just in case something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. So it's um, they need to have the, com the, the confidence from the actual manufacturers that this kit is going to do what it, it says. So the Sapphire boiler that we discussed runs on oil. Is there a gas equivalent? From us, no. We are a, mainly a manufacturer of oil. There, but we, we like to call it liquid fuel now. So for us, we have developed a, a gas Sapphire boiler. But there are many gas boilers out there that are suitable for open therms. So we don't make one, but there's many good manufacturers out there that will make a very good modulating open therm boiler for the future. There's, and many are already hydrogen blend ready. So you mentioned training earlier and, you know, the fact that, you know, the UK, we've got real issues with regards to getting um, our next generation um, of central heating engineers and plumbers and things really engaged um, in more kind of environmentally friendly options. Um, can you tell us, for example, with HVO, uh, does anybody need a special qualification to be able to come in and change your boiler from a kerosene burning boiler to HVO? And we always recommend that it's an off-tech uh, registered engineer anyway, but we've actually developed a HVO training course, which is online. And it's a couple of hours of basically basic changing over. It refers to the HVO handbook, which is available now in the public domain. And we basically walk you through what a conversion would look like, the properties of HVO compared to kerosene, things to look out for on the commissioning uh, and that kind of thing. And it's only it's £12.50 just to, just to download from our website. And um, yeah, that, that will give you enough information to do a conversion over there. And you can also contact us for HVO advice on converting the boiler as well anytime. So the one thing that I can't get my head around is that the government is putting this, this boiler ban in place. But if things like HVO come into effect where they are mainstream, 
stream and they are you know are able to heat properties in a clean way in a clean way what then happens to the boiler industry does the boiler industry continue is it then that you just can't buy kerosene but you can only buy hbo how's that all going to work yeah so from 2026 they've highlighted at the moment that that will be the the cutoff date for purchasing an oil boiler that's kerosene or gas oil or whatever you want to put into it so but hbo boilers will be available so we're already offering a HVO boiler and an oil boiler, even though either can be converted. Um, we are we will be offering a HVO boiler out there. So they're not going to just stop supplying kerosene to uh, oil boiler customers. They simply can't cut, cut off an industry like that. So what they'll do is they'll try and phase it out. So um, 2026 will be no more oil boilers sold. However, you can buy HVO. And by then, HBO will be nicely into the inf- in the infrastructure, and away you go. So we're hoping for a smooth transition from kerosene through to HBO, and then the customer won't really notice much difference. You know, they they still get their their what was their oil boiler. It's been converted to HBO. They're now ninety percent less carbon emitting than they were before, which which is a fantastic achievement if we can do it. So you mentioned that there's going to be a specific HVO boiler versus uh, normal boilers. Is there a fundamental change between the two or is it just a matter of putting a different sticker on the box? Uh, there is small changes on the actual operation of the boiler, particularly for the Sapphire. We use different um, internal air nozzle, um, a different fan scroll speed. Um, so basically it's a different commissioning setup. However, one of our technicians could come out to an existing Sapphire boiler that's running on kerosene and do a conversion on site within half an hour or so. It's quite a quick conversion. But there are some small changes on our Sapphire boiler to make it a HBO boiler. So with the amount of negative press that has surrounded boilers, especially in the last 12 months, is that something that concerns you with regards to the future of, for example, fuels, clean fuels like biofuels? Because yeah, if we start to convince the whole population that gen all boilers are bad news how do we then kind of backtrack a few years from now and say actually you can just use hvo though those people have already been convinced that that it's a boiler and it's bad news and i don't want it so where is the pr going and 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 how 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 do you think that's going to be tackled there's so much negative press about how oh, your boilers going your boiler's going to be you're going to have to take your boiler out, for example. None of this is actually going to happen. It will be the natural churn of boilers. Boilers are not getting banned. If you've got a boiler in your house, it's not going to come along and take it away from you. You know, that, that's simply not going to happen. We're talking generations here. This is a generational um, milestone for decarbonisation. We're not just going to do this within a couple of years or decades even. It's going to take a considerable amount of time to actually come through. Um, one thing that is does strike fear into into many of us in the industry is the is the eco schemes and that kind of thing we've seen in the past when you get a, a government grant to fit uh, a product and then unfortunately you then get the cowboy companies that come in then and they do a very poor job because they're getting the money to do the grant and this is a worry that the wrong equipment will be fitted just purely to line the pockets of, of unscrupulous installers um, and this this has happened many times before. So it's um, we've got to watch out that this is not a scandal waiting to happen. You know, have you been missold, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, we've got to watch out for this because 
they, they will be looking to, to make some money out of these green green incentives moving forward. Yeah, I think that the danger is that when you uh, take an industry as wide and as diverse as the central heating industry, and especially in the property market that has, you know, just umpteen amounts of different styles of properties, and you think that just you're just going to jam one um, one fits all kind of solution into all of those properties. It, yeah. That's a very, very dangerous, risky mm. game. Um, and I think that, you know, then you have to add on to that people's lifestyles and, and people's different incomes and different people's different life priorities in their homes. Yeah. Um, then you start to realize that actually as a conversation, it needs to be a diverse conversation. And we need to have a lot more choices and we need to have a lot more diverse solutions that are carbon neutral or certainly carbon um, sensitive and that they are working towards our, our goals as a country but that we can carry everybody forward together giving everybody a chance to adapt at their own kind of speed no exactly and i would guess that most of the boiler installations in the uk i don't know what the figure is but most of them would probably be like a an emergency situation their boiler yeah. split and it, it's beyond economical repair and they just had asked their installer, get me a new boiler, yeah. and I need one um, by the weekend. And, and that's it. The, the choice is then is by the installer, not really by the homeowner, because they just want the heat, heating back on. Um, so this is, you know, and then that's boiler, that boiler's there then for another 15 years. This mm. step change is going to gonna be very, very problematic to actually uh, change the technology when so many cases are an emergency, uh, an emergency boiler Mm, interesting. Well, thank you so much, Martin. It's been an absolute pleasure. And it's been interesting to, to look at boilers and think about boilers in a different way. And, you know, how we can adapt them and how, you know, the, uh, as you said, the, the tech is changing in them, and that there maybe is a role they can play in a more environmentally conscious way in our homes. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye bye.